looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Yes, they certainly do. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Past the Post. It is Sunday, the 13th of August. Great to have my colleague back in the studio with me. It's been a long time between drinks, so to speak. Yeah, it has, David. I did this show remotely from the Gold Coast a couple of weeks ago, and last week you were you were sick. And I was talking to your lovely father yesterday, and I said, what happened to David? He said, look, he, he must have been very, very sick because he's, he's never known you to take a, a, you know, a sickie or a sick day, effectively. So you must have been on death's door, old son. Oh, well... <laughs> Not quite, but I just wouldn't have. I wouldn't have presented well in the yard. Put it that way. I was, I Four was, out of five lame. I was, I was. I was not fit to run. But I'm fit to run today, as you are as well. And as we know, every week it's going to get a bit bigger, a bit better. Uh, but yesterday was good racing. We had the, the listed Rosebud at Rose Hill Gardens. We'll listen to that race, but also a few other performances yesterday worthy of mention. Uh, the Behemoth Stakes at Morfordville. It was run on a deteriorating track. It rained during the day, but the, the favourite one, the best horse one. We've got racing at uh, the Valley and, of course, also at Eagle Farm. And I thought Eagle Farm yesterday, uh, the racing was very competitive, particularly lat- later in the day. We had you know three or four horses charging at each other. Margins were noses and short half heads. So it was a very good day of racing. Yeah, it was. I mean, that uh, race at Miss Cooter one was a perfect mm. perfect example. I was just coming from everywhere, and we'll talk about it later, but the, gee whiz, the, runner, the runner-up in that race, the player, the stable, mate, Miss Cooter, if that wasn't close to the run of the day, I don't know what was. I think if it had won, it would have landed some very good bets. It was well-backed at longer odds. And, of course, it was uh, Townsville Cup and Cleveland Bay Day yesterday. So plenty to cover off over the next hour. Thanks for your company. We'll kick off with Rose Hill, firstly. And we'll go to the, the ninth race. Uh, the Blue Army was back in force. They had the favourite here, Pericles. Glitter Silver shows the way by three quarters to Banana Queen, seeing plenty of daylight. Two lengths away to Pericles. Mission Phoenix being scrubbed up. Perfect Thoughts pulling out. Political debate to the outside. Glitter Silver at the 350, led the way from Banana Queen. Pericles being confidently ridden further back. Political debate running on from Perfect Thought. Madame Pomery slipping up the rails. It's Glitter Silver being tackled now by Pericles. Madame Pomery finishing fast. Pericles takes the lead from Madame Pomery. Pericles and Madame Pomery, they hit it. Oh, Pericles, maybe. Photo finish, Pericles from Madame Pomery. Hit the line hard. Glitter Silver third, followed by Mission Phoenix, Banana Queen, then Perfect Thought. Further back to political debate, Caprice de Dua from Lormien and looks like Elvis. Yes, and Pericles got the judges' nod, so Darren was spot on there, beating Madame Pomery by a very narrow margin. James McRiding, he was the $2.60 favourite. So it was a good return by Pericles. And let's talk more about him and, and the Godolphin team in general. Managing Director of Godolphin's Australian Operations is Vin Cox. He's always kind with his time, particularly on Past the Post. He's with us now. Vin, good morning. Hey, good morning, David. Good morning, Ben. How are you? Fitting well. Uh, as I said, a good return. Uh, somewhat of an expected return. He was, he was hard at the market off a good trial at Canterbury. So he got the job done, only just. But uh, the, the, the team happy with the performance? Yeah, no, delighted. I mean, a win to win, as, as you say. Um, I think probably the market suggested he might have been more dominant in the race, but um, you know, at the end of the day, it was his first run back from a from a spell. So, um, you know, we're quite happy where he sits, and uh, you know, every, all the indications are that he's going to he's in for a good campaign. So we look forward to that. It's interesting that uh, run has propelled him to joint favourite for the Epsom at eight dollars. Um, is that a race that you would likely target with him? Do you imagine? 
Yeah, we, we think we established last campaign during the autumn that he, he's not a mile and a half horse uh, and probably a mile and a quarter sees him right out. Um, so the, the mile ambition is where we're heading and handicaps like the Epson are well and truly on his radar. Yeah, you make a good point. In his first campaign, in fact, he went to the Victoria Derby and finished midfield and then tried a similar path, went to the ATC Derby and ran ninth. That was on a heavy track, though. Did he not handle the conditions that day as well? Oh, probably a bit of both of that, um, as you say. So, you know, he's... he's um, I really think that he's, he's probably not a mile and a half or so. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not. We're not convinced that he's, he won't handle a, handle a wet track. We just, you know, there 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 are gradings of heavy, as we know. <laughs> Can I ask you, uh, which I thought was a, a terrific win, um, your horse that won the last in at Mooney Valley yesterday, Perel. I've probably said the name Perel, of him yeah. wrong. He, he defied yeah. a. Well, I shouldn't say defied because he didn't win. But the start before was just a savage bias that day at Mooney Valley. He was one of the few to to run on. Uh, but he was electric yesterday. I know it was only a benchmark 70 race, but he looks to have a fair future. He's a horse that we've had a, a very high opinion of, and, um, and up until this, this most recent campaign, he, he was a cult, um, and he kept getting beaten, so we made the decision to geld him. Uh, he has come back a, a, a horse that really finds a line now, um, so yeah, we're very encouraged by what he's, what he's showing us, and as you suggest, Ben, his last start, was he? He's a certainly beaten. There's no question. He made that much ground on 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 that track on that day. Um, but to win like he did yesterday, he was probably he was probably he was probably a little bit more dominant. Than I thought he might have been, and, and Pericles was probably slightly less dominant than I thought he might have been. So, um, so it was a bit of a pee party for us at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, the last time we spoke? I think it was about a month ago. And and as you outlined, they don't understandably say that the the campaigns for the the better horses, the marquee horses, were still at a very formative stage. We were going through barrier trials and, and the like. So a month down the track, uh, are targets now have been you know realistically set for for your better horses? Yeah, well, we haven't nothing set in concrete, but but a few of them will be un, un, unwrapped, as it were, in the next next week or so. We'll have a cylinder appear in the vein on Saturday. Uh, Barber, we've held back to go around San Domenico the week after in secret uh, trials this week at, at Ramwick. Um, so, yeah, there's a few of those nice, nicer horses coming back. Amur and Tom Kitten will go around in the up-and-coming on the same days as San Domenico. Um, so, yeah, no, we're, we're quite happy with the way they're ticking over. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say we're confident, but we're quite hopeful about, about what, what lies ahead in the spring. So the, the first group one of the season's next uh, Saturday, the Wink Stakes. I'm just looking at the TAB market now. Golden Mile and Cascadia are in that market, so they won't run in that race? Uh, Cascadian won't. Um, the Golden Mile will will nominate. We'll have a look. We'll also nominate him for the PB Lawrence. Um, so we'll just see what the what 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 races look look like. Um, yeah, you know, we, yeah. We'll just more than likely um, he probably ends up down in Melbourne. But 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 we'll just wait wait and see what 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 appears in the in the in the in the week stakes. It's just changing tack or changing direction somewhat. A horse called Namazoo won the Townsville Cup yesterday yeah, sure and that. absolutely thrashed them. It broke the track record, carried 61 kilos. You've got a good memory, but do you remember this horse when it was with James? Oh, yeah, my word. He was, he was a, he's a big, raw horse. Mm. He's out of one of our best race mares in, in Earthquake. Um, he was a handy sort of horse. 
but he certainly as he's got older and matured, um, he's he's done very well. He won that three-year-old series um, up in North Queensland there, and and uh, picked up a little bit of uh, stake, uh, and a stakes placing as well. Um, can't think where that was, but um, but to win a Townsville Cup as dominant as he did is fantastic. And um, Ben and I have corresponded during the week. We follow our our graduates with much interest and we love hearing them and seeing them succeed and um, yeah, we're not frightened to sell them because we do want them to, we can't keep them all and um, we like to see them go well for their new connections and, and like I say we do keep in touch with them, we loved hearing about them and, uh, and, and follow them all the way through their careers. Yeah, was he sold online was he? He might have been in the days when we sold, sold them uh, physically uh, here up at Magic Millions. I don't know if you've got a crystal ball on hand there, Vin, but if you have, give it a give it a rub. Is there uh, for the listeners? Is there something? Doesn't have to be a big name horse, a horse that they might have even you know not necessarily roll off the tongue. Is there something that they can follow from Godolphin through the spring? Is there is there something that's likely to be a big improver for you in the spring, or uh, it could be a headline horse? I'm not sure. Is there one that you're particularly yeah. excited about? Uh, there's a, there's a, a three-year-old filly had one start for one win at Canterbury. A filly called Commemorative. She's an I'm Invincible filly. Absolutely blitz them. Um, and she's a lovely, big, scopey filly. And uh, I think she's got a, a, a big future ahead of her. She's probably just a little bit behind um, in her campaign. So you probably won't see her till, till, until towards the end of the spring. Uh, but watch out for her. I think she's she's very, very smart. Just one further, one final question. You mentioned the Epsom with Pericles. Being a four-year-old, the Golden Eagle would be in, in your sights as well, would it not? Very much so. Yeah, uh, yeah he, yeah, you say he's a four-year-old, so it's right in his sweet spot, as we think, um, for the 1600. We had a lot of interest uh, to sell him to to Asia, um, but for, you know, with your, when you've got that sort of lucrative race like, that you can line up with, um, that we didn't, we decided not to sell him and just take our chance at, at the gold, at the Golden Eagle. So, uh, Epsom into the Golden Eagle would be, be a good plan, and hopefully down to, to Melbourne for something like the Champions uh, Mile as well. So, um, there's a lot, lot in store for a horse like that. Yeah, it certainly is. Good to talk, and we hope we talk uh, with you again over the next few months. I'm very much getting getting a call for <laughs> come on a Sunday morning. So <laughs> means means we've had a reasonable day. So no, I look forward to chatting through the spring. Thanks for your time. Here is Vin, Vin Cox joining us this morning. Pericles, yeah, got the job done, but I, I think too, at this time of year, um, horses are certainly not at their uh, peak fitness, and um, whatever he did yesterday, and he got the job done. As, as Vin said, a win's a win. He can only improve on. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I took out of that interview? One word, commemorative. I haven't heard Vin Cox talk as effusively about a horse in a while. Wonderful. Just looking now, three-year-old filly out of I'm... Uh, well, so by I'm Invincible uh, Memorial had one start over 1100 at Canterbury maiden win on June 7 ridden by James McDonald was back from a dollar 90 into a dollar 60 and won by five lengths you you were quick on the keys as soon as you mentioned that name but I'm going to give you credit because you obviously spell it correctly the first time that's not a, <laughs> it's that's not a bad not a, effort from me that's not an easy one to no, do quickly no, sometimes you've got to think about it commemorative I'm a very good speller David very good So there it was, Pericles winning yesterday. Let's go to another race I wanted to listen to on the the off card, so to speak. She's a very good mare, Alentia, and she was resuming yesterday. 
So they're fairly well bunched approaching the turn. Tri-State in front here from Vanelli. Diamond Dealer. Nasa's next there on the inside of Devil's Throat. Ashman and Alencia's been wide on the way pulling right to the outside. Tri-State leads up the straight. Tri-State in front from Diamond Dealer then Devil's Throat. Alencia stoked up on the outside. Quickly joins the leaders now. And Alencia at the 200 metres takes the lead away from Tri-State and then came Devil's Throat. Uh, there's nothing making any ground. Alencia holding Tri-State and Alencia uh, McDonald wrote her pretty confidently there and Alencia was way too good for them beating Tri-State. Camera third, Diamond Dealer and Devil's Throat. A gap back to handle the truth from Curtis Island. From Nelly dropped right out. So did Ashman. Well, she's a zoo star mare. She's four years of age and she was able to win first up yesterday. And I thought there was a lot of authority in the performance. Uh, James McDonald had a wide gate, the outside gate but rode her like she was the best horse of the race, and conclusively she was. Denise Martin, of course, she races in the, the Star Thoroughbred Colours. And Denise is another person, always kind with her time on, on Past the Pass. She's with us now. Denise, good morning. Morning, David. First of all, before we go any further, Alentia or Alentia, tell me. Either way, when they go past the post, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, I think the owners call her Alentia, but if somebody were to call her Alentia, you know, he wouldn't... Uh, jump up and down, but they seem to think Alentia. Do you know what what, what what Alentia means? Oh, look, I know. Funny thing is, when you go to the races, different people have different ideas what might happen in the day. When I pulled up yesterday at Rose Hill, I thought she was a really good chance. You never know how the race is going to unfold. And I thought, oh, she wins. People are going to ask me what it means, and I can't remember. <laughs> I'll find out the next time, I promise. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's very rare that you can't answer a question, but anyway, that's a bit of homework for you. Hey, uh, congratulations, Denise. It, I've got to say it is very, very rare for Chris Waller, after winning a benchmark 88 race, admittedly in terrific style, to start talking about Group 1s. That that was um, a very interesting post-race, and it shows the esteem he holds your horse in. Oh, thank you. Look, um, I guess when you know they have a good record, like five out of six, uh, we can all sit back and say, oh, well, we always thought she was talented. But it's quite interesting because she started her racing life, as you can see, in Queensland. And she went there because I thought she could win the Magic Minions. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, Chris doesn't often have very early two-year-olds, but she's well-bred. She's always had a good way about her. She showed a little bit of talent quite early, given that Chris, as we know, doesn't expose the two-year-olds very early. But I thought... You know, she's a real chance in this juvenile magic minions. And she got chin sore and things happened and, you know, she didn't make it. But I thought at the time she was my favourite horse of the yearlings that year. Uh, she got a good page. But she's just a really nice filly. She's good type, big and strong now. Uh, good family. Out of a very good producing mare. So when she had her first start in Queensland and Jim Byrne wrote her, I remember quite clearly watching the post-race video that we send the owners and he just shook his head and he said I don't know what you got here but my gosh you'll be going up that ladder pretty quickly Jimmy Orman then wrote her as a second start up there and thought the same so we knew that there was talent there group one you know ability clearly no but when Joe Marrera won on her in the autumn in the JB car which incidentally um, Espiona won the year before he said I think you've got a really smart filly here so you know, you just take them up the ladder. And I think Chris said yesterday when he knew that she got a run because the other other horse, his other horse couldn't race. Um, you know, he said, uh, I think she's, you know, standout filly on the day. She's probably our best of the day, uh, you know, of all the horses. And so 
was a little bit surprised that he was so, um, you know, bully about her, you know, her, her future straight away. But I think we've all felt collectively that certainly she's a real talent and hope he's right. They show early signs, though. You, you see things that happen. You, you mentioned her career started here in South East Queensland. That day at Doombin, I called that race and, and one nine fifty eight. she broke one ten, and and it was a very good maiden race. And Denise, as you know, uh, it doesn't matter what class or grade they're in or what track. If they can run time and run it consistently, yes. you've got one that's special. And her next start at Eagle Farm, again, she broke one ten. She ran one nine ninety six. Just a question. Her only defeat was at the Gold Coast in that uh, Rising Stars race on on the week before the, the the Magic Millions, had she just come to the end of the prep? Then she that's when she ran fourth. Yes, I think so, David. Um, Jimmy rode her that day. Jim Byrne rode her, and when he came back, he said, "I think she just felt this hard track." Mm. Um, you know, he said she didn't let down as I know she can, and we were sort of in two minds about whether to spell her that day. Um, or give her a break. But as I said, historically, I thought she could win the two-year race the year before. So probably we're all a little bit, you know, chasing our dreams from 12 months ago. And, um, you know, we just gave her a good break and she's come back extremely well. She's a very big filly now, big mare now. So I think it was really good after the Magic Minions this year that she had a break. And, you know, we'll just see where we go. It's that time of year where we start dreaming about uh, the spring and the big races coming up. But we asked Vin Cox the same question. Outside of Alentia, is there one of your, your team that, that wears your colours that you're particularly looking forward to seeing in the spring and, and one that our listeners can follow? Well, look, I suppose a few. Um, we have the somewhat maligned Espiona, <laughs> Group 1 winner in the, in the autumn, and... You know, she won the Coolmore, and for us it was really special, not only winning a Group 1 with a filly that we knew was talented, but Chris hadn't won all his, you know, Group 1 uh, victories. He hadn't won a Coolmore before, and she was terrific. Um, when we have two mares like this, Lindy is a four-year-old, Espiona's five. I want to keep them away, so I think Espiona will probably go to Melbourne. She's raced well there before with two stakes victories. We'll keep Alentia here. Maybe we'll race like the tramway in uh, three weeks' time, or we put her up against, you know, to stay against the Phillies and not put her up against the boys because Alentia's next race will really determine whether she's bound for, say, uh, an Epsom campaign or whether she, um, you know, she goes into something if she's good enough to go to a a golden pendant or maybe a, um, uh, you know, a... um, uh, a golden eagle. So I'd say the other one, other than Alentia to follow, might be Espiona because she seems to have come back really well. She goes well in Melbourne. She's a chance to perform particularly well. And I think a really good sprinter we have called Kalino. I think he's destined for stakes class. He'll run next week. So you know you can go through the alphabet and find four or five. But I think for listeners to follow Espiona and Kalino outside of Valentia, that's the best I can do on a Sunday morning. <laughs> and, and and you've done it extremely well. But remember, next time I speak to you, you've got to tell me what that horse's name means. I promise I won't even I'll work on it. Good on you. Good to talk to you. Thank you. This is Denise Martin from Star Thoroughbreds, always good with her time. Alentia or Alentia? I used to call her Alentia, then I was told it was Alentia, but she is a good uh, mare. And, and the, the key factor yesterday, as I was about to say before Denise joined us, McDonald rode her like the best horse. She was the best horse. There was a lot of arrogance about the win. Um, covered ground and ran time and good sectionals. Yeah, it was easy in the end, wasn't it? I reckon trying to find out what Alentia means could be um, harder than you think because I've just gone to Dr. Google. Oh, I can't find anything. So, well, Did you I spell it right? 
Yeah, of course. Got, I, I got, told you, I'm a very good speller. You got commemorative, right? Because you want to back it, but you, you don't want to yeah, back a lyncher. Uh, look, the only thing that comes up with a lyncher is this horse. So maybe it's just a made-up word, David. Who knows? I remember someone telling me it had something to do with a diamond or something like that. But anyway, whatever its name is, it's uh... maybe maybe listeners could text into your personal mobile number. Um, what what it might mean if I read your personal number out on air? No, no, what do you think? Know. I've got two of them. Actually. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Um, she was a Magic Millions graduate, three hundred ten thousand she sold for. So she got the job done, and we look forward to her future, as was the case with Pericles. Let's go to the black type race of the day. This was the listed rosebud. It's the first step along the way to the, the golden rose in six weeks' time. And it was a very competitive race. Here's Darren's replay. So introducing turns in front from the instructor, followed then by Tis Invincible trying to push out. Oh, Infatuation tried to keep her in a pocket. The pair brush. Introducing just in front from the instructor. Tis Invincible into the clear now and giving chase to the leaders. It's the instructor introducing and Tis Invincible charming in. Two lengths away to Cigar Flick late. Tis Invincible wide out to the instructor. Tis Invincible just in front and Tis Invincible won the rosebud from a game introducing a show plenty of fight. I think the instructor third just in front of Cigar Flick. Then came Infatuation from Fire Lane, Rusion and Griff. Not quite certain how to, to read this race or how to, to rate this race. Uh, I'm always a little sceptical when they're bunch finishes. Now it can mean two things. It's either a very good group or it may be not quite a good group. But it was two lengths first to last so I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm hoping that Kieran Ma, Dave Eustace, Gay Wardhouse, Adrian Bott, Chris Waller, etc., aren't listening, which is probably unlikely on a Sunday morning. I think we can forget this race. Two, two lengths, as you said, from start to finish. They're talking about potentially a golden rose for Tiz Invincible. I mean, Phillies uh, have got a shocking record in the golden rose. And to be honest, I don't know. Like, yeah, it was a, it was a game win. But, I mean, a few starts ago, this Tiz Invincible was running fourth or fifth in a black oval. Mm. So I, I don't necessarily want to be backing anything out of this race with confidence going forward. Now, She's on a negative, Nelly, aren't I? It's pretty negative. No, well... You've you got to call it as you call see Call it as you see it. Uh, these um, fillies, the, these three-year-old fillies, can go down two paths. They can go to, a you know, aim for a golden rose or, or go along that traditional three-year-old fillies path, which culminates in the, in the flight stakes. I think the horse uh, I want to take out of this race, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm not as bullish about what you said. I like the run of Cigar Flick. Uh, it was a soft win first up. It's been kept fresh since then. 8th of July she ran first up and won a four-horse field, but she finished well. Uh, sectionals were good, and I look forward to seeing her at 1,200 and then 1,400. So she's the one, and I didn't think that uh, the, the Ma Eustace other runner, uh, Griff, was totally hopeless either. It was being tipped in it by a few in the morning at longer odds, and it did start a lot shorter than its morning line price, and it wasn't far away. Another one, I think, looking for further than the 1100. So I think in this race in isolation, it's there. Uh, you can only win. And Tis Invincible did everything right. But I think with a view to the future, maybe a question mark. Yeah, and I guess in fairness to the winner, there's, I think one of the trainers pointed out post-race, there's not too many horses who uh, break their, you know, uh, stakes d- uh, duck. Um, you know, when they're a maiden, you know, they go their first win is a stakes race. So, you know, good on up, but I don't think I'll be following anything too much out of this race going forward. Well, from a Queensland point of view, we were watching race seven very carefully at Rose Hill Gardens yesterday because Freedom Rally, who'd put a few on the bounce here uh, during the, the winter, went to Rose Hill and there was a lot expected of him. He ran a short price favourite. 
as they swing for home now. Cinque Torre in front of Danish Prince going to second. Freedom Rally lost a half length there, the favourite. Green Shadows winding up and Jordan Lane getting a gap and starting to hit the line powerfully. Danish Prince went to the front but Jordan Lane and Green Shadows, they beat off the favourite going to the front, Jordan Lane. Jordan Lane in front near the wire and Jordan Lane goes on to beat Green Shadows. Danish Prince third, so am I getting up to run fourth. And the favourite, pretty disappointing Freedom Rally, running fifth in front of Manda Boss, then Excelidas from Eastern Glow and Chinquatori. Chortle Lane, that win was not expected. In fact, it was the second favourite. There were basically two of the market and Freedom Rally. But Freedom Rally looked disappointing. Yeah, thought very disappointing. In retrospect, you might say, um, on that performance, looked ready for the paddock, didn't it, really? But having said that, look, Stewards report-wise, just having a look at, look at it now, um, when questioned by Stewards, Ryan Maloney stated that Freedom Rally, which was racing in the state for the first time, travelled very keenly when racing outside the leader without cover. Um, you know, then was inclined to lay out on the home turn, one pace, etc., etc. But, you know, vet-wise, there was nothing found. So, look, on face value, disappointing, but... Um, you know, those wins in Brisbane looked like a good horse, didn't they? So perhaps just come to the end of it. They did. Um, again, and I think we spoke with Tony Gollan uh, the last time we were together a couple of weeks ago. You know, it, it's hard to line that form up sometimes. That's winter form in Brisbane. It's outside of Carnival. Carnival is over. Uh, what did it beat? But then on balance, you've got to look at it both ways. Times were good. Uh, overall time, sectionals were good. Um, but yesterday, just watching the race, uh, race a little keenly outside of the leader. They didn't go overly hard. Uh, I would say the margin was unfair because he was battling. He was holding his ground and then he copped that squeeze at about the 100 metres. So he probably lost a length, a length and a half. So the mar- the official margin is unfair. But what we saw here and what we saw yesterday, they were two different freedom rallies. So maybe you're right. Uh, he-, he may... He may go for a break. But that was uh, that was Freedom Rally. They were the highlights from Rose Hill Gardens yesterday. Let's go across to Morfordville in Adelaide. And this was a deteriorating track during the day. They had showery weather. It ended up as a soft seven. And the black type race was the behemoth, formerly the Spring Stakes. See You in Heaven was making her race track return. And she was a well-fancied favourite. 800 metres out, Savit to excel, doing it as he likes. He leads a length on Picago. See you in heaven is almost three deep striding Otherwise at them heaven. now with 600 metres to run. Calypso Rain, Manhattan Times gets onto the favourites back and then Bugnish, followed by Extreme Thrill, hop on Harry Howell and Ironclad's back last. He's seven from the speed, 400 metres to run in the behemoth stakes and it's Savit to excel, turning for home. A half to three quarters on See You in Heaven. Picago, Calypso Rain, Manhattan. Manhattan Times, then Bugnish further back to Howe. See you in heaven, ranged up, hit the lead now from Savit to Excel. Chasing hard, Manhattan Times, Calypso Rain. See you in heaven in front, she's got a length on Savit to Excel and Manhattan Times. See you in heaven is back with a bang. See you in heaven wins the behemoth stakes, a length to Savit to Excel. Manhattan Times is third, Calypso Rain is fourth. Then Howe, Bugnish, extreme thrill, hop on Harry, iron clad, and Picago, the late scratching caracas at the gates. This is a mare now f- four by Divine Prophet. She's been very well managed by Richard and Chantel Jolly. That was only her 12th start yesterday for her fifth win. And this is her fifth racing campaign. So she's had deliberately light campaigns. They've tried to target the right races. And she's generally delivered. If she doesn't win, she's not far away. She won the Sandown Guineas Group 2 during the spring. Of course, she won feature races as a two-year-old in Adelaide. She won the... Uh, 
the Breeders and the, the De Quetteville. And, of course, she won on her first start. They took her to the Melbourne Spring, and she won the Ottawa on debut. So, and she's now graduated to open company. Uh, not sure where they will head with her, but wherever she heads, she'll acquit herself well because if she doesn't win, she's not far away. Yeah, post-race, um, they were shooting for the for the stars. We're talking about, you know, a long-term plan to, to target the Empire Rose, the, the Group 1 race for mares on Derby Day. Um, well, I suppose there's two ways to look at this race, isn't there? One is, uh, and I don't gravitate necessarily towards this point of view, but one is you see what ran second, Savatou-XL, and no disrespect to Savatou-XL, uh, but he's as old as me. Um, and so see you in heaven's a good horse. He, you know, she should have won this race. But I suppose the other way to look at it is she's nowhere near fully wound up, nowhere near fully fit. So she's she's sort of, in a way, done it tough, uh, won easily, and she's nowhere near fully wound up. So there's something to be excited about there, isn't there? Yeah, and I, and I think just to, to, to counter the argument that she beat Sava to excel, she has gone to Melbourne on more than one occasion and been competitive. So, And I, and I wouldn't uh, dismiss the fact that I think every campaign she gets a bit stronger, a bit better. The other thing I like about this mare is that she's versatile, she can race on speed. We saw that yesterday. She was 3-1 outside lead. But I've seen her come from a long way back in Melbourne, run some terrific races when Craig Williams rode her a couple of times. She was outstanding. So she's versatile and and she's competitive and consistent. That race yesterday, by the way, um, it was run at a snail's pace early. They, they found their position straight away. They just dropped anchor, slowed up. So it was going to be mighty difficult for anything back in the field to make ground. And I think as you saw... The first three over the line with the first three in the run. But she's got the job done and she'll represent uh, South Australia well. She's probably the, the best horse currently in South Australia and she'll be a finalist for the horse of the year in uh, South Australia, which comes up, uh, that'll be decided next month. She'll be up against another award. so <laughs> And uh, one other one that I'm not quite sure of. Yeah, I just got a message from someone too. There might have been an excuse that we didn't see for Freedom Rally. Apparently he got galloped on and um yeah so that wasn't in the vet report don't know what happened there with that vet but um may have been some more excuses is that a reliable source reliable source yeah bit of tomato sauce barbecue tomato yeah it's not tony gollan though no but but i mean that horse was probably too bad to be true yesterday wasn't it so there, there had to be something amiss exactly let's take a break we've still got plenty to get through we're going to look back at the valley next of course eagle farm yesterday as well that's all coming up on the other side of this break thanks for your company past the post brought to you by archer park racing you're listening to radio tabs past the post with david fowler and ben dorries I often mention it's worthy to go to the website, archerparkracing.com.au. You can see what's available for sale. They've currently got uh, a filly by Encryption. Now, he was the champion first season sire of uh, Encryption, of course, the sire of Safrado, Queensland's champion first season sire. Uh, this filly's out of a mare called Pardon, trained by Stuart Kendrick, and she is a half-sister to Show Me Mercy. Now, Show Me Mercy is something of a forgotten horse. It was very impressive when he had its only start at the Sunshine Coast and then went amiss, and there's been... A few uh, hurdles along the way, so we're waiting to see him come back. But this is a half-sister to Show Me Mercy by encryption, and there are shares available for sale. You can buy as much or as little as you like. In your case, as much as you like. Did you win yesterday? I'm not betting at the moment, mate. I've, uh, I've had to pay. I've had that many bills coming in the last few months. I mean, mate, we're not all on high-flying race call salaries no, like you. I know you're not. I know you're not. I tell you what we are doing, though. We're going to Wink Stakes Day next week in Sydney. That'll be good. I'm looking forward to that. 
good to hear. Let's go to the Valley. And uh, like Morfordville, this track uh, deteriorated during the day. It was a real wintry day. Let's go to race seven. It was over 2,040 metres. So it's Irish Flame joined by Irish Sequel at the 500. Flash Flood next and here's Floating Artist getting going. Two lengths away to Milford. Maserati Bay and Deep Strikers trying to get runs up on the inside but hits a dead end. They come to the turn. Floating Artist at the 300 up to Flash Flood. Irish Flame whacks away and then Deep Strike and Milford. Floating Artist from Flash Flood. 150 metres to go. Floating Artist a length. Flash Flood. Deep Strike Maserati Bay. It's Floating Artist surging away. It's back. Floating Artist wins a strong winner. Second deep strike, photo third, Flash Flood, Maserati Bay, a gap Irish sequel, Milford, then came Irish Flame and last Sissoko. Worth pointing out, Floating Artist ran fourth in Very Elegance Melbourne Cup in 2021. Then they had two runs during the autumn uh, in, in uh, uh, 20... No, sorry, I'll start again. It ran fourth in Very Elegance Melbourne Cup in 2021. The next time we saw it, was in April 2023, so we had a long time off the racetrack. Only had those two runs in the autumn. This was its second run this time in, and one with authority. So it's a horse, uh, obviously, at a major issue, but uh, good there yesterday. Yeah, fascinating horse, this. As you referenced, fourth in that 2021 Melbourne Cup. Now, that was a bloody good Melbourne Cup. Very elegant, as you mentioned, one. Incentivise ran second, and Flooding Artist started $11 in the market. So since... Uh, you know, sustained nearly a career-ending in, uh, injury. Injury. It was a freak accident. Got his knee caught. Um, I, I gather in a in a um, some sort of a blanket or rug or something, and landed heavily on his knee. So that that was the reason he was out for so long. So look, I mean, wasn't much of a race yesterday. But if you go back a couple of years, if he can find anything like that form, he he'll be competitive in whatever he races in in the spring. I think the other talking point out of this and. We've been talking about this without talking about it during the show today. We talked about, well, we listened to Tis Invincible win the uh, Rosebud. We listened to Chortle Lane win at Rose Hill Gardens. We've just listened to Floating Artist. We recall It's Me won the missile last week. All Mar and Eustace. Now, keep in mind, this or last season, just gone, Mar and Eustace were Australia's premier trainers. They beat Chris Waller by 60 wins. That says something. I think we've said on this show in the past that this is a powerhouse building all of the time. And just in what we've spoken about this morning, they're winning races everywhere. I'll tell you the two fascinating things to keep an eye on. One is, uh, and Tim Ald from the uh, Warrnambool Standard, who's a very good journalist, uh, he's been around a long time, knows a lot of people in racing, wrote a story a couple of weeks ago um, quoting Kieran Maher saying that uh, they are going to start targeting Sydney um, a lot more. Uh, they still have their home base, home bases in Victoria, but the prize money in Sydney, they're very well. Prize money in Melbourne, in Victoria, generally is going down. Sydney's going up, so they're going to have a, more of a presence in Sydney than they've ever had. And the other thing is, I keep hearing whispers. Uh, Dave Eustace and Kieran Ma may go their separate ways at some point. I know there's some Hong Kong interest in uh, Dave Eustace. I'm sure he'd like to train in his own right at some time. So I'm not saying that's going to happen overnight or in the next month or two. Um, but uh, Kieran, I'm sure, would love to train with his brother at some point as well. So, yeah, just be interesting to follow the progress of that stable, David. Worth keeping an eye on. Worth keeping an eye on, my Worth friend. Worth keeping an eye on. Let's have a listen to race nine of the Valley yesterday.
coming up to the turn at the 400. It's inundation the outside of Acro Mantula. A length and a half to Sweet Ride Ashford Street and then came Omni Man and Starry Legend. They run the corner. 200 to go. It's Acro Mantula held together and inundation called upon from Sweet Ride. Ashford Street to the middle of the track and Omni Man ran up behind them. Acro Mantula 100 metres to go in front of Sweet Ride and also Ashford Street. It's going to be close. Sweet Ride dives and won. Sweet Ride's won it from a photo. Omni Man, Acro Mantula and Ashford Street in a good drive. A gap to Starry Legend. Rebel Fact attacked on and Inundation was back with them. Our Saturday morning form analyst Mark Hunter found Sweet Ride. I think it was around $6 when we discussed it in the morning and uh, got the right run as Mark predicted and got the money for Annabelle Neesham and Michael D. Yeah, it was a nice win. Should also pay mention before we, we get off our um, Victorian segment, Blake Shin won his second Scobie Breezley medal uh, last night uh, at the Victorian Racing Awards. 18 years, if you don't mind, after his first. And before we went on this show, David, I sat and listened to Blake Shin's speech for 15 minutes online. It was a terrific speech. Uh, I reckon at various times in his career, he's lost his way for one reason or another. Uh, but he was very humble, paid credit to family and said, um, basically, you know, the hard work he could have gone one way or another in his career, but he just decided to put his head down and he's ended up where he is. So congratulations to Blake Shin. Uh, much deserved. Premiership winning jockey, obviously, down there and thought he spoke exceptionally well. Exactly right. Uh, certainly echo those those comments. Let's go now to Eagle Farm. We had a night event card. Good for tracker played really well. Let's go to the open race seven. And in the end, the Bopper and Rubiquitous were the top pair in betting. The Bopper ran at $3, but Rubiquitous had a lot of admirers at $3.20. Fully homeward bound, 3.50 left to Rana. Leader was King Klaus from Ubiquitous, given its head on the outside. Then Wisdom of Water, Quick Tempo trying to run on. Further back was Mass Destruction. The bopper's got work to do. Ubiquitous got to King Klaus and went to the lead. Hands and heels. Super Air was next. Quick Tempo, Mass Destruction. The bopper flying. Here comes the post. Ubiquitous and King Klaus. They hit it. Photo again. King Klaus or Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous or King Klaus from Mass Destruction to the bopper. A busy finish. Quick Tempo couldn't quite come on. Then Super Air, Vane Stream and Wisdom of Water gave up and he failed to beat a runner home. Rubiquitous got the judges' nod, got the bob in. Cole Wilson-Taylor running for the Chris Anderson stable, beating King Klaus, the Bundy visitor, and he was as tough as old boots as he always is. Mass Destruction and the bopper were closing late, the closest of third and fourths. But the spoils went to Rubiquitous. Chris Anderson is on the line. Good morning, Chris. Morning, gents. How are you this morning? Yeah, good. Good to talk to you. Love this horse because this is the sort of horse putters like he always puts in, uh, you know, his, um, his most effective zones, uh, you know, the short distances. But if he doesn't win, he's never far away. Yeah, spot on, David. He's probably one of the toughest horses, the most consistent horses I've ever trained. The other, other horse probably comes to mind like him. He's, he's probably a horse like Boomtown Lass, who mm. used to just be a, a real model of consistency as well. And I guess as a trainer, we just love horses that we can take to the races and you know they're just going to absolutely give it everything they've got. And, um, you know, his pattern of racing also helps him as well on speed, generally takes luck out of the equation. So he's always a really nice horse to saddle up on race day, that's for sure. You mentioned post-race yesterday, Chris, that you tried to sneak him down to, to Sydney on a, a couple of occasions in you know, the last you know month or so, but you've, you've just been stymied by bad draws. But uh, you'd, you'd probably love to travel him at some point if you could find the right race for him. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I think a trip away for a horse like him who's just taken a, a little while to, I guess, mature mentally, and I still think he's probably not 
the, the furnished product yet, to be honest. Uh, a triple A, I think, would do him the world of good. So, yeah, look, we drew, I think, a couple of weeks ago, we drew 14 to 14 at Rose Hill. So um, we elected to stay home and uh, just, uh, you know, head to this race. But uh, I, I think some, you know, some better quality races are, are on the agenda for him. And I think he deserves it. And, um, you know, we only paid, I think, 35000 for him as a... A yearling, and um, he's uh, well and truly paid his way. And uh, a throw at the stumps is in order at some stage for sure. You, you made a good point. I'm just thinking back watching that race yesterday. And what I liked about Eagle Farm yesterday, and I mentioned this to Ben at the top of the show, a lot of the races were real races. They were competitive. Horses going head in head for at least two, three hundred metres. This was a good case in point. But it brings the back to the point about ubiquitous. He never gives up. Like you can think of, you can see Rubiquitous's form and say, "Oh, thousand meter speed horse," but he's tough because they go to him. He's hard to get past. He is, David, and I noted a lot of your calls yesterday too with those tight finishes. And um, one thing about Rubiquitous, and it's really important that you've got a rider on that understands him. He's like a big kid. He almost plays a game, and once he gets to the front, he absolutely has done this his whole career. He waits for them. And as soon as they come up with him and challenge him, he finds again. And then he'll wait and he'll find. So, yeah, I, I, I think he, he loves he loves the competitive aspect with racing. He's just thriving. He's just one of these horses that just thrive with racing. And um, as I say, it's a, it's a big game to him. One of the part owners, the Brisbane Racing Club vice chairman, Richard Morrison, was in very, very good form last night after this win. Um don't know how many drinks he'd had, but I reckon he consumed a few. He's a great bloke, Richie. What's he like to train for? Does he just ring and say, do I bet today? Uh, what, what are the conversations like with him pre-race? Because he's a good character, isn't he? He loves it. Loves it. Loves it. Now, industry revolves around, you know, punters. And if it's not for the punter, we don't have a horse to train. So, um, absolutely. There's probably 20 in his horse, and they all like a bet. Uh, the pressure pretty well goes on from Monday when the noms come out. And uh, it doesn't ease until uh, they're past the post on the Saturday. Do you, sit on a fe- do you sit on the fence or do you sometimes say, no, no, just push all in today? How, how do you work it? No, nah, all in. Please <laughs> go. Please go. And, and, and punters, as you know, and owners certainly don't like people sort of sitting on the fence and being half neutral. But as we know, there's so many variables to racing and often speed and tempo determine the winner, amongst other things like barriers, track additions, track bias. So... Yeah, uh, a lot of trainers crystal balled, and uh, we do our best. But look, we see them work race to, uh, on, on fast work days, and he's he's a funny sort of horse because he 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 only does what he has to during the week. He he never lights up the track like some of them. Um, but as as long as you see consistency to the work that they're doing, um, that always gives you confidence knowing that that's them and they're right and they're spot on and they're eating well and they're happy. And he looked great in the coat yesterday. So um, if you put all those little pieces of the puzzle together, you generally get the right result. Now, this was a significant day for your stable, Chris, for another reason. And it was a race that you didn't train the winner of, but your apprentice, Bailey Wheeler, the last race of the day, she's a firecracker, which I think my colleague here, David Fowler, was tipping pretty effusively at at big odds. His first uh, Saturday Metropolitan winner. So that's a significant moment for a young kid, isn't it? Massive. We had a really big day for two apprentices yesterday, but Bailey was the first of them. And um, yeah, look, he, he, he's, he's done a terrific job, Bailey. He, he sort of probably lost his way in New South Wales a little bit and was, was effectively um, just, you know, right around that 
sort of country circuits, going circuit, and sort of was almost close to giving it away. And I uh, just probably needed, like some horses sometimes, a, a little bit of a change of scenery. And he came up here and he's been given a new lease of life. And he went down to the Gold Coast. I think it's a lovely sort of place to transition from country to provincial into metropolitan. And, you know, whilst we weren't overly keen to support horses on poly tracks, we've got no issue with racing horses there. But as a stable, we were really mindful of the fact that we had to support him as an apprentice and we sent more horses down there than we normally would. And um, testament to how well he rides, you know, he actually won the premiership down there for apprentices and seniors uh, and did it within six months. So um, he's a talented kid. He can ride. If anyone watches him ride, they'll, they'll see what I'm talking about. Very strong. And he's one of these athletes that, you know, when they're born, they're just born to be a jockey. You, you know, when he gets on, you just know that that is his career. And um, he's, he's certainly bred in the purple. He's, his godfather is Zach Purton. So um, I was talking to Zach the other day, actually on uh, by FaceTime about Bailey and, uh, He's, he's a pretty good mentor to have. I wouldn't think there'd be many better. And you had, had another apprentice win yesterday. Was it a Bow Desert? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, one on a horse called Abroy at 20 to 1. Uh, apprentice called Rob Thorburn. He also came up from New South Wales and um, he's only recently got his licence, David. So to ride his first ever winner at a metropolitan meet, not a country meet, was a, a huge feat and a tab meeting in that. And um, uh, yeah, it was a terrific day for our stable and you know, there was a day that those two boys will, will never forget for as long as they live. Good to talk to you and continued success with Rubiquitous, Chris. Good on you guys. Thanks for having me. Chris Anderson joining us this morning. And, uh, yeah, Rubiquitous, uh, love those horses. Just always put in, never never run badly. Yeah, I reckon uh, I summed it up pretty well. Um, give myself a wrap here. But King Klaus, and I said the poor old bushy Gary Clem, the Bundaberg battler, he's come to town and he's got denied by the flashy city slickers, which is actually what it felt like watching it in the yard. And Gary Clem, he was celebrating. He thought he'd won. But you know what? Classy individual G. Clem uh, would have been very disappointed when he realised he hadn't. Quickly walked over to the winning camp. He was celebrating like nothing else. Said, well done, fellas. Good win. I, I saw that from, from the broadcast box. I actually saw that. He's an underrated horse, King Klaus. Um, you know, whilst he's got the, 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 the bush tag on him, as we saw yesterday, he can come to the city and he can win, win these races uh, at this time of year, certainly. Well, that was a close finish, race seven. Let's have a listen to race six and a similar story here and a lot hinged on this result. But firstly, here's the replay. On straightening now, 4.25 left to Rada. Space Boy trying to do it most of the way. Ned's Gully moved up on the outside to issue a strong challenge. Jamelli went up to third. Hodgson under pressure. Then Zingalong, in fact, most are under pressure. Although Safework's starting to run on fairly. And Crazy Train down the outside. Ned's Gully got to Space Boy. Jamelli can't reach Ned's Gully as yet. 100 to go. It's Ned's Gully in front. What's this coming over to the old odds? Fastling. Ned's Gully the leader. Fastling getting through on the inside. Hell. Photo finish. Fastly made a dive at Ned's Gully. Jameldi or Space Boy and then C. Ripple. Safe work next, followed by Telephone Booth, Crazy Trade, Hodgson. And last over the line was Zing Along. Have I got the right horse? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, even the, the cameraman Leo, if he's listening this morning, now cameraman Leo trains his camera on who he thinks wins at a tight finish. I'll guarantee you, and I know this better than anyone else, Leo is right 99 times out of 100 was one time yesterday he was wrong. He trained his camera on Fastling. And I think similar to Gary Clem, 
with King Klaus. I think Trevor Thomas thought he'd won with, with Fastling because, honestly, it was one of those finishes, one stride after the line or a half stride after the line, he had the nose in front. But when the uh, slow-mo came up at the line, it was Ned's Gully's nose. Yeah, um, it was a deceptive finish. Well called uh, there, David. But, look, there was an interesting prelude to this race when this horse arrived on track earlier in the day and got loose and just decided to go, This thankfully before the, the public were there and whatever, just decided to go walk about all over the, the track. So, well, sorry, not the track, the course. So just went here and there and thankfully the gates were closed and he you know, didn't get free but was subsequently vetted and not, you know, certainly no injuries was, was cleared to lead the race, a terrific result for Paul Wallace in connections. Yeah, the horse is going well. Just just got home, I suppose, he, when you consider you beat a 101 chance by a nose, you've got to put a little question mark on the performance, but look, all you can do is win, and that was the result. Race five of the day, this was the 1800 metre race. Shopping Esprit was chasing a winning hat-trick. It was the favourite, but Tony B, who was way down in the weights, was well back to beat it. 700 left to run. Hasabro has called the shots from the get-go and currently going okay. Wairiri falls for the first time, edges closer, moves up to within a head of the leader. Linthor Blad easing three wide. Nico Spur comes calling four wide. Shopping Esprit five wide at the bend. Fast talking behind that quintet, looking for the way clear. Then came Tony B, who was shuffled back, followed by Barnard and Trevelyan was a long way back. In the home straight, though, Nico Spur drove to the front. Shopping Esprit given full bore. Wairiri falls trying to battle away and Barnum was running on, shopping a spree in a deal with Nico Spur, Wairiri Falls not giving up, and then came Tony B, and Barnard, shopping a spree's got it narrowly, Tony B on the outside went bang, Wushka, Tony B got up, beat either Nico Spur, shopping a spree, or Wairiri Falls, and Barnard not far away, then came fast-talking Trevelyan Linthor Blad, and Hasabro dropped out and ran last. Tony B hadn't won for almost 270 days and his record before yesterday was three from 26. That now goes to four from 27. So he's been somewhat of a, an enigmatic galloper for the Chris Wallace stable, transferred up here now. But the key here, Ben, was nine kilo drop on the weights. It's a big weight drop, 59 with Orman at Doom and a couple of weeks ago. With CJ Graham's two kilo claim fifty yesterday, yeah, and wouldn't that have been a big thrill for CJ Graham mm. riding uh, a winner for Chris Waller? I don't know if she would have before, but pop, pop, you know, perhaps she would have, I guess. But uh, regardless, um, you know, she's going places. I think she's very hard working. Made the full time transition up to riding here, and and she's very approachable. Uh, lovely girl, terrific rider, and got a nice future. Yeah, and of course she won the first race on uh, Kelly Schweeters was Vodka Martini, was truck-loaded to win that race, ran very short, and just missing out because she was on Fastling, so she just missed a, a Metropolitan treble. But I think you're right, I think she's the... Uh, uh, her and Bailey Wheeler, I think, will establish themselves over the next few weeks to be the in-demand apprentices. Let's go to our final replay from Eagle Farm yesterday. This was the race that Miss Cooter was resuming in, and she was the second favourite behind Shot of Whiskey. Doro leading narrowly from Miss Cooter. Tiger Shark is forced to race 3-1 outside the pair. Glass of Rosé lurking fourth on the inside. Shot of Whiskey just behind that division needing room to move. Sunny Days coming wide. The player sticking to the rail and Top Fun turned in last. Fully homeward bound. 300 left to Rana. Huxtable riding along Miss Cooter coming after Meadows Doro. Glass of Rosé. Shot of Whiskey. Tiger Shark putting in generously and Sunny Days down the outside. Miss Cooter got another go on. Tiger Shark is going with it. Meadows Doro not 
giving up totally. Miss Cooter's got it narrowly from Minnows Doro. Here's another great finish coming up. They hit it. Oh, photo finish again. And the player drove right through between them. Miss Cooter on the outside, on the inside, Minnows Doro. And the player flashing late. Shot of whiskey not far away with top fun glass of rosé. Tiger Shark peaking. We might have got him a little further back. And Sunny Days is last over the line. Yes, a busy finish again, and Miss Cooter got the bob in. Good to see her return to the track as a winner. Of course, she established herself as a very good juvenile when she won those first two early season races by, by good margins. She went to the McLaughlin of the Magic Millions and um, had a tough run of the Magic Millions, but first up yesterday, good fighting win too because several times she looked under siege, but a bit like Rebecca, she just kept finding the line. Yeah, good win, but forget about the winner. The second horse, the stable mate, is the one for everyone's black ball. That was uh, an incredible run, the player from last. Um, it was held up several times in the straight, even with 50 metres to go. It looked like it was going to run an honest fifth or something. and just absolutely sprouted wings. And this is a horse that won on debut in the Sunshine Coast uh, in January. And then, if you don't mind, went to race in the Millennium. Um, the $2 million race, ran 12th, beaten six lengths. But, I mean, these were horses like learning to fly and Blanc de Blanc. That was a terrific, terrific run yesterday. I don't know what Chris Muntz has in mind for the son of winning Rupert, but I'd suggest you'd want to back him just about anything. That was fabulous. Yeah, and I think he was back yesterday. I know one of the part owners, I think if that horse had won, it would have been a very, very tidy result, but not to be going under by a short head. But one straight after the line, uh, there was no doubt that that uh, he was in front. Anyway, he'll have to wait for another day, but Miss Cooter getting the job done well. So that was some of the highlights from Eagle Farm yesterday. Uh, of course, next Saturday we go to racing at Doombin, and it's the big Mecca Day, normally held on the Exhibition Wednesday public holiday, but this Wednesday will just be uh, a normal run-of-the-mill meeting at Eagle Farm. We're back up there, and then a big day at Doombin next Saturday. So a big crowd and uh, a lot of young people there. Yeah, terrific, David. <laughs> what, what else do you want me to say? Well, I don't know. Agree or disagree? Explain to me, why is that on Saturday? Because it's normally Wednesday, isn't it? So why are they having that? Just just because it's a... Yeah. No, I think just a a change of heart, just to see how it works. So the figures will show whether it's successful or not. I won't be there, but I reckon I'll just encourage a few of the party goers there to maybe creep up to your your, your race box and just say hello to you. You Maybe sign a few autographs for them or something. The door is locked. (laughs) Start to finish. Thanks for your time this morning, and uh, you'll join me on Press Room tomorrow morning. Yeah, I'll be there, and there's a lot to discuss. I particularly cannot wait to dissect a lot of the the happenings in Victorian racing for the last two or three weeks. I've been at the centre of a lot of them with a lot of the stuff I've written without sounding like an idiot, but uh, there's a few types of racing Victoria under severe pressure uh, in regards to some of the stuff that's been proposed, no whip racing, team racing, Jockeys wearing earpieces, all the rest of it. So it'll be a fascinating discussion that I'm really looking forward to tomorrow, David. Look forward to it. And let's bow out of today's Past the Post and hear Namazoo brilliantly win the Townsville Cup. Big weight, 61 kilos. Track record time. He won by Country Mile. Thanks for your company this morning. Into the straight, 300 to go, and Namazoo has loomed up to go to the lead from American Saint. They were followed by Portnoy, Siren Rock, a gap in the field to Armour Force as they get to the 100 marker, but it's all Namazoo. Namazoo, back-to-back cup wins coming up here. He's going to trot in. Namazoo by about six lengths. American Saint, second, third, Bering Sea. They were followed close up by Siren Rock, and further back was Knight of Power. Then came Armour Force from Portnoy. Sale was next 
first home, followed by Quality Asset, Investor Mystery and Magic Olympic, Korchnoi, Armour Force, Star Status, Play Me Now, and last in Arctic Wolf.